0: Break break, the breakthrough. breakthrough. Break the breakthrough. Break the breakthrough. Break the breakthrough. You are now listening to Breakthrough News. (laughs) It's 5 p.m. You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this the Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch Out, 9th of September, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show. Plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the impact of indigenous resistance. On climate change, we're going to be talking about a significant decline in the number of prisoners on death row here in the United States. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we're going to start with the budget reconciliation bill whose drafting begins today. (laughs) Starting today, five House committees and a group of Democratic senators are beginning to write legislation to put some meat on the bones of their general framework to spend $3.5 trillion on a range of programs as part of a budget package that will be passed through a provision known as budget reconciliation that will allow a Democratic party-line vote in the Senate to pass it, a simple majority, 51 votes. The budget reconciliation bill, as it is known, is the second part of two major bills that may be passed this year addressing a range of critical needs from infrastructure to child care assistance. The budget reconciliation bill has a range of proposals to improve the lives of working and poor people and, because of that, has drawn the ire of the capitalist class who has arrayed their lobbying infrastructure, the entire Republican Party, and the senior Democratic senators from Arizona and West Virginia against the deal. And their opposition is centered on the fact that to pay for the budget bill, the White House and Democrats in Congress have proposed a range of modest tax increases on ultra-wealthy people and corporations who— despite having plenty of money, don't want to part with a cent more than they would have to today in terms of taxes, regardless of who it will help or how little it will actually affect their daily lives. So while there is much to be said and that we have actually already said here on The Punch-Out about the nature of the bill, and obviously on many fronts it could go much further, on some it's deceptively messaged to hide various flaws. At bottom, the real issue here is should the United States establish some obvious and basic provisions to provide for urgent needs among the working class and should the wealthy, made rich by the working class's efforts, be forced to pay for those changes? Or should people be forced to live in totally unnecessarily impoverished conditions in order for the ultra-wealthy to make maximum profits? As the New York Times summarizes the budget, reconciliation bill outline promises a range of things, including, quote, providing up to 12 weeks of paid family and medical leave, expanding tax credits to pay for child care and elder care raising the wages of childcare workers, requiring employers to automatically enroll employees in individual retirement accounts or 401k plans, and expanding medicare coverage to include dental, vision, and hearing benefits. The Education and Labor Committee's portion of the bill, also under consideration, would make pre-kindergarten universal for three- and four-year-olds, fund two years of tuition-free community college, and increase the value of Pell Grants, provide money to rebuild and modernize school buildings, expand job training programs, and extend child nutrition programs bolstered on an emergency basis during the pandemic. The Committee on Natural Resources, which has partial purview over climate change programs, will try to raise the fees for fossil fuel companies that explore and drill on public lands and waters, expand leasing of offshore sites for wind energy, spend up to $3.5 billion on a new civilian climate core and boost funding for wildlife control, climate resilience and adaptation to a warmer planet. End quote. The budget bill will also likely include parts of the PRO Act, which would prevent corporations from violating workers' legal rights to organize, as well as measures to provide legal status to millions of undocumented people and billions of dollars to promote violence interruption programs that address community violence without using the police. The proposal may also include a clean electricity standard requiring 80% of the electricity in the United States to be produced by clean energy sources by 2030. So to pay for this, there are a range of possible proposals. There are proposals to raise both the corporate and highest individual tax rate to 28 and 39% respectively. In the first instance, that corporate tax rate would be lower than at any other time in basically the last 100 years. And in the second instance, back to where it was just four years ago. So hardly a major burden for the wealthiest individuals and highly profitable corporations. Democrats are also proposing a plan to increase IRS enforcement of unpaid taxes by the wealthy who, according to a new Treasury Department analysis also released today, account for $160 billion a year in lost tax revenue. Or in other words, 45% of the cost of the overall package if you stretch it out over 10 years. And it's a long-term bill, so a lot of this funding is laid out over about 10 years, some a little bit longer. And really, in and of itself, that's quite a statement that 45 percent of the value of the package could be paid for with the money the rich owe in taxes but don't pay because the IRS is underfunded. Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, who chairs the Senate Finance Committee, has proposed a brand new type of tax to capture the huge amount of wealth that goes untaxed because it is held as assets like stocks and so on. One of the biggest tax dodges out there is actually rooted in this reality. We all have heard quite a bit about how billionaires in particular have seen huge rises in their incomes over the pandemic. At current count, by the way, it's about $1.8 trillion increase in the wealth of billionaires over the pandemic. And that, of course, is mainly because the value of their assets, like stocks and other things, went up as the stock market boomed. As long as they don't liquidate those assets, they pay no tax on them. And what rich people do instead is they borrow money from banks against the value of the assets. In fact, this year, at least $600 billion has been borrowed from banks by the super-rich in just this way to avoid taxation. Wyden is designing a new tax that would establish something that is basically like a property tax on these assets, requiring them to pay taxes based on the value of the assets each year. And to put this in some perspective, there are 708 billionaires in the United States. They have $4.8 trillion dollars. So these 708 people could pay the entire cost of the budget reconciliation bill and still have $1.3 trillion collectively. Not exactly poverty. And again, that's just billionaires. So as you can see, when you add in huge fortunes of people who have hundreds of millions of dollars as well, there really is no issue about how one would pay for this. That being said, the rich are not willing to pay. Yes, that's right. Despite the fact that there are more than 32 million workers in the U.S. that don't have access to one paid day off, that one in six home care workers live in poverty, that one third of poor families are pushed into poverty by the child care costs they have to pay, and the fact that the entire world is collapsing due to climate change. Despite all of that, these rich people would rather do anything to avoid having to pay one cent more in taxes. 32 million workers, not one paid day off. But keeping the status quo the same is the most important thing to the richest individuals and the most profitable corporations. The Business Roundtable, the lobbying group for the biggest monopoly corporations, the board chairs from Walmart, just to give you an example there, called the budget bill quote unquote troubling, saying it would quote dramatically undermine the U.S. economy. And the Business Roundtable has already spent $8.8 million on lobbying this year. And big shocker, has devoted most of its lobbying muscle towards taxation issues. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce, the chief capitalist lobbying firm, has spent $29.6 million so far this year and has also been on the front lines against the budget bill. Earlier this year, Comcast hired five lobbyists to focus specifically on corporate taxation. Duke Energy, the utility giant, has three lobbyists working directly on tax provisions. This is actually a quote from what they wrote on the lobbying disclosure, tax provisions in President Biden's budget and related to budget reconciliation. GE has hired six lobbyists in the first quarter of this year to focus on, quote, corporate tax reform. Pharma, that's the main trade group for Big Pharma, which mainly focuses on healthcare issues, nonetheless had two lobbyists they hired in the first quarter of this year to work around the, quote, discussions surrounding pending tax-related provisions accompanying the federal budget or infrastructure bill pay-fors. Verizon, by the way, has eight lobbyists working on, quote, unquote, the corporate tax rate. As we mentioned to you last week, the ultra-rich have mobilized former Democratic Senator Heidi Heitkamp to head up a dark money super PAC designed to argue against any change to the estate tax rules as well. Make sure that you can keep as much of your fortune as possible and pay as little of it to tax when you die. So as you can see, the full court press to prevent people from getting sick days, child care assistance, free community college, cheaper hearing aids, and better care for the disabled is on. Of course, the vast majority of non-billionaire people, non-millionaire people really, normal people you might say, think that all of these things are great ideas and that we should in fact do them. Among registered voters, 61% support the budget reconciliation plan, according to a new poll by Data for Progress that read voters a description of the proposals and then asked them about their support level. Even 40% of Republicans supported the bill. And that's despite 100% of Republican congressmen and senators being opposed. Hmm some representative democracy we have here. And also, notably, 60% of voters polled also support higher taxes on the wealthy and huge profitable corporations to pay for these things. So where this all leaves us is with a few weeks of scrambling here. The drafting is supposed to be done by September 15th. We'll see if that happens. But there's obviously, as we've laid out here, a big push on to attack the bill. Realistically, all these lobbyists know that they can't stop the whole thing, most likely. So the issue is really how much the bill will be watered down. Now, the bulk of Democrats are claiming they won't accept even $1 below $3.5 trillion. But Senator Kristen Sinema in particular has threatened to withhold her vote, which Could, in fact, make the difference in the Senate if the package is not reduced below $3.5 trillion. And Representative Jim Clyburn, one of the top-ranking Democrats in the House, has also stated he wants to see the bill watered down. So undoubtedly, Republicans in big business will be getting a bit of an assist here from Democrats in their attempt to tank the bill that will help tens of millions of people in a very real set of ways. So that's where we are. And while a lot of this is... Wrapped up in the absurd back and forth and nomenclature of the governing process in Washington, D.C. that can obscure a lot of things. What is unfolding with this bill is a major fight over the distribution of wealth and resources in the United States and whether or not even the bare minimum can and will be done for working people or whether it will not. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund has released its most recent look at the state of death row in the United States. And the good news, is the Death Penalty Information Center notes, is, quote, the number of people on death row or facing possible capital resentencing in the United States has fallen to its lowest level in nearly three decades. And they further detail that, quote, 2,528 people were imprisoned on state, federal, or military death rows in the United States as of January 1, 2021, or still face jeopardy of death in pending capital retrial or resentencing proceedings. The Death Penalty Information Center's review of historical data found that the last time death row in the United States was smaller was in August of 1991, when there were 2,504 people that were sentenced to death or facing reimposition of the death penalty in pending capital proceedings. And the Death Penalty Information Center goes on to further note that, quote, the U.S. death row population has steadily fallen since its peak in July 2001 when a reported 3,717 people were on death row or facing possible capital resentencing. The January 2021 numbers are 32 percent below that peak. And they also went on to note that, quote, the Legal Defense Fund report identified 232 people whose sentences have been reversed and are awaiting retrial or resentencing or whose grants of relief are still subject to appeal. 34.3% of those on death row are facing capital resentencing as of January 1st, 2021, were in states with moratoria on executions. Now, in some ways, these numbers aren't terribly surprising. A lower percentage of people support the death penalty than at any time since the early 1970s, when it was briefly outlawed. And further, the ability to carry out death sentences has become much more difficult, as pharmaceutical companies have cracked down on the use of their drugs for lethal injections. Now, that being said, those who support the death penalty are going to great lengths to continue it. Oklahoma is attempting to file new death sentences right now, despite having no execution drugs. Mississippi, Arizona, and Alabama are all attempting to revive their gas chambers, some with untried techniques. And in Nevada, two prosecutors from the county with the most death sentences, who are also state legislators, tanked a bill that would have outlawed the death penalty in that state. The struggle, no doubt, continues, but clearly the trends are toward an even further decline in the death penalty in the United States. Indigenous communities in North America have been at the front lines of resistance to pipelines and other forms of fossil fuel extraction contributing to climate change. Recently, the Indigenous Environmental Network and Oil Change International have put together research to quantify the impact and potential impact of a good number of these fights. Bottom line, they detail that, quote, total indigenous resistance against these projects, including ongoing struggles and victories against projects never completed and infrastructure. Unfortunately, in current operation adds up to one point eight billion metric tons of CO2 or roughly twenty eight percent the size of twenty nineteen U.S. and Canadian pollution. Victories in infrastructure fights alone represent the carbon equivalent of 12% of annual U.S. and Canadian pollution, or 779 million metric tons of CO2. Ongoing struggles equal 12% of the U.S. and Canada's annual pollution, or 808 million metric tons of CO2. And if these struggles prove successful, this would mean indigenous resistance will have stopped greenhouse gas pollution equivalent to nearly one quarter of annual total U.S. and Canadian emissions. And the report goes on to further note that, quote, that 24% equaling 1.5 billion metric tons of CO2 is the equivalent pollution of approximately 400 new coal-fired power plants, more than are still operating in the United States and Canada, or roughly 345 million passenger vehicles, more than all vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. And they note that this is actually an undercount because they only focused on the largest, most notable projects. Either way, what's really crucial about this report is it underlines the role being played by indigenous people across this continent in the struggle to save the planet. That's the punch out for today.